Welcome to the Bible Teachers, featuring sermons from around Australia. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Danny Malenkoff. Teach us to pray. Um, we sang that beautiful song just a moment ago, Revive Us Again. Revive Us Again. And uh, the words of that beautiful song uh, will, really, will really go hand in hand with, uh, with the message from Scripture today. And I pray that the wonderful words of life that we sang about will really touch and move our hearts. I've been thinking about this new year, and I was thinking about it well before the new year began, as I've been going for my walks and, and my bike rides. I've been thinking, I can't think too much on my bike rides, I've got to really concentrate. Um, but as I've been sort of wandering, I've been thinking about the new year, and people make New Year's resolutions. I don't know how many of you have made New Year's Anyone here made a New Year's resolution? Okay, some of you have. Um, the main news resolutions that people make, the top three, I guess, are uh, the first one on top of the list is what? Does anyone know what the first one might be? Yeah, diet. Did someone mention diet? Yeah, to lose weight and get into some more exercise. That's, that's number one. Does anyone know what number two is, which goes along with that? To eat healthier. To eat healthier is number two. Anyone know what the third top choice is that people give? Alcohol, yeah, well, yeah, that's that's part of the health. And so the third one is the third one is to strengthen um, family relationships or friendship relationships to to have better and healthier relationships. As far as I'm concerned, as I was thinking about uh, this new year, I've been really thinking and praying about it and asking God to help me to understand. What it is, what it is that I really need to focus on, and the Lord has just continued to bring to my attention prayer. He has shared with me over and over again that we need to pray, I certainly need to pray. And yes, prayer and revival, that needs to be part and parcel of life every year, every day, every week. But this year, in a very special way, we're going to spend some significant time focusing on prayer. Seeing how prayer revives us, seeing the power of prayer in our own lives, seeing the power of prayer to transform the lives of those around us. As well, we're going to take a look at that which goes hand in hand with prayer, which is our own personal walk with the Lord. How does our personal walk with the Lord not only affect our lives, but how does it affect the lives of others? You see, I've come to this conclusion. I've been blessed now to be part of this wonderful church for the last three years since we began. Can you believe it? It's been three years um, since we began praying. Um, two and a half years since we began meeting. And there have been many, many precious individuals that I've had the opportunity and that we have had the opportunity to meet and share God's word with. We've had three uh, missions that we have run over these past two or so years. And there's one Thing that God has brought to my mind over and over again, and that is the only way, the only way, the only true way that God's Word will be revived in the hearts of those who are seeking and searching, and there are many who are seeking and searching, we've come across many, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to revive, the Holy Spirit needs to awaken a desire in people's hearts for God, a desire for His Word, a desire for His truth, a desire and, and, and a willingness to understand the things that they are hearing, that this is God's plan and God's will for them. I can preach 
till I'm blue in the face. I can preach and teach till the cows come home. It's not going to make an iota of difference unless the Holy Spirit impresses these precious truths from God's Word into the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, who are seeking and searching. I've come to that conclusion. Unless the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit alone can do, it is to no avail. And so how does that happen? It happens as I pray. It happens as you pray. It happens as we pray. As we pray that God will use us. As we pray that God will intercede on behalf of those who are seeking and searching. So we're going to go back to basics over these next few weeks. We're going to focus on prayer. We're going to focus on what God can do when we earnestly and when we sincerely pray. This morning, we are going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to focus on the Lord's Prayer and focus on what that has to say to me, what that has to say to you, what that has to say to each and every one of us. But before we do, once again, we're just going to pause and we're going to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much we can come before you. We ask and pray that as we open up your word now, and as you teach us to pray, that you will guide us through your Holy Spirit. Father, we recognize that we so desperately need prayer. We need to learn how to pray, not just through words, but we need to know how to pray with our hearts and with our minds. So we pray that you'll bless our time together, for we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to turn with me to... Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles out there on the table, and feel free to take one, so if you've got a Bible, or your phone, or your pad, whatever you want, um, just turn to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, and while we're, while we're turning to Luke 11, I received this um, YouTube clip, some of you may have seen it from my friend Elaine. Pastor, pastor, President Ronald Reagan. You might have been a pastor once upon a time. I'm not quite sure. I know he was a Hollywood actor. Uh, President Ronald Reagan, there's a five-minute clip, and he's sharing uh, publicly as well as privately his need for prayer, his need for God's Word. I didn't realize he was such a spiritual man and, um, and took on board the wisdom from God that he gives through his word and he realized that he needed God, he needed prayer. And if the President of the United States needs prayer and he needs God to, to lead in his life and in his work, so much more those who are disciples of Christ, who are involved in the work of eternity. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Luke chapter 11 and I am in Matthew. Why am I in Matthew? Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. We'll be going to Matthew in just a moment. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, here we have Jesus and he has obviously just prayed or, or he has prayed not so long ago and his disciples come up to him and they ask him, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Did they not know how to pray? Was that their problem? Hadn't their mums and dads taught them how to pray? Why did they ask 
the question, a simple question. Teach us to pray. Could it be that they heard Jesus praying in a way that they had never heard anyone pray before? Could it be that Jesus prayed in a way that they were never taught by their parents who were possibly taught by their religious leaders? Could it be that Jesus prayed in a way that was so personal, that was so powerful, that was so sincere and that caused such a difference in the lives of so many that they wanted to have what Jesus had? When they saw the impact of Jesus' prayers on those around them, they cried out, teach us to pray. So we're going to take a look at this prayer. And I believe that if we adopt these principles that Jesus gives in the way we are to pray, not so much the words we are to use, but the principles God will do in and through us what he did through his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to go to the book of Matthew. Luke and Matthew both record the prayer of Christ. However, Matthew adds a little at the end of what Luke doesn't share. I want to invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to take a look at the prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, but it really ought to be called the Disciples' Prayer. The prayer that Jesus gives to those who claim to be his disciples, to those who claim to be his followers. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick it up in verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, page 1396. In this manner, therefore, pray, says Jesus. In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, what has preceded these words? Jesus here is comparing how his disciples ought to pray as compared with how the religious leaders, in particular the Pharisees, would pray. The preceding verses describe how the Pharisees would pray. The Pharisees were considered to be the most spiritual individuals of the time on the planet. These individuals, they sought to keep God's law, all 613 laws in the five books of Moses, plus many others that they had made up because God obviously didn't give us enough laws. And so Jesus here is comparing to how they prayed to how they should pray. Now, let's notice the context. The beginning of, of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says how we are to give to those who are in need. Not like the Pharisees, for all to see, but to do it discreetly so that the Heavenly Father will see. And then he moves on to verse 5, and Jesus speaks of prayer. Let's pick it up in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So how did they pray? They prayed with the view to being seen by men. Jesus calls... These religious leaders, he calls them hypocrites. Does anyone know what the original word means in English? Hypocrite? Actor. Yeah, that's right. They were acting. To be seen by men. To be seen by men. I looked up those words, to be seen by men. And the original word is theomai. Theomai the word in English we get theater or theatrics. Can you see what's going on? It was a show. 
When the religious leaders prayed, they made sure people were around to watch them pray more often than not. You see, the, the Jews, they had certain times for prayer. And they would conveniently, many of them, find themselves in the marketplace when it was time to pray. Many of you have probably seen Muslims um, who, who have their time of prayer. They have their five prayers that they pray during the day. And I've been and I've watched and I've seen uh, at a certain time, the, the Muslim man, he just pulls out his mat and wherever he is and he begins to pray. You don't see it very often here in Australia, but when I was overseas, especially in the Middle East, there you see it everywhere. And so the religious leaders, they wanted people to see how they prayed. They wanted, to see, they wanted people to see how eloquent they were. But notice what Jesus says, verse 6. But you, when you pray, and he's speaking here um, in the singular context, so he's speaking to us as individuals, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly go and pray in the secret place pray to your father this is significant very significant jesus is telling us and we're going to come across that at the beginning of the prayer that we are to come to him as we come to our father now i don't know what your father was like some of you may not have even grown up with a father. Maybe there wasn't a father in the home, or you may have passed away, or your parents may have separated um, whilst you were very young, and you may not have grown up in the home with a father. Some of you may have grown up in a home where father was, was anything but kind and loving and gentle and someone to warm to. I was blessed, and still am blessed, to have grown up in a home where my father was loving and kind and compassionate and did absolutely everything for me to ensure my best. And when Jesus says, pray to your father, I think of my father. I think of someone who I don't fear, someone who I can go to and share everything and anything with. I think of myself as a father. I'm a father. And I pray that my children come to me with full confidence, with full assurance, knowing that I love them, knowing that I care for them, knowing that I will not do anything at all to hurt them. So at the very outset, God is telling us through His Son Jesus that we have a Heavenly Father, that we have someone who cares for us, someone who loves us. And for those who have not had a loving and kind Father, for those who've for those who haven't had a father at all, the Bible tells us that God is a father to the fatherless. Isn't that right? How much does this heavenly father love us? Luke chapter 15, have you read the story of the prodigal son? What does the heavenly father do? He's waiting and watching and when, and when the boy comes home, after he has wasted his life, after he has wasted his resources, after he has wasted everything, wasted his father's reputation, the father, he comes and he put his arms around him. That's the kind of father that we have. So regardless of the kind of father we have had here on this earth, we have a heavenly father that loves us beyond what we can imagine. We keep on reading verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions 
as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Vain repetitions. What does Jesus mean here by vain repetitions? So I looked up that, fra- that phrase, vain repetitions, and it only occurs once in the New Testament. And simply put, this, this phrase or what Jesus here is saying is that we are not to pray, not only using the same words over and over again, but without thinking. Without thinking. A little bit like when we pray for our meal or when we pray for our bedtime. Have you sometimes found yourselves not thinking what you're praying? You may have been tired or you're just going through the motions and you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I certainly do. (laughs) I have caught myself. I have caught myself praying and I'm not even really thinking about what I'm praying. I'm like, what am I praying? I'm tired and, and I'm, just, I'm just waffling. And I don't have too much trouble waffling at the best of times. And Jesus says, you don't need to repeat. But when you do pray, I want you to be thinking about what you're praying. I want you to be in tune with me. I guess God must feel the way my poor wife used to feel. I used to have a problem with sport. And praise the Lord, he's delivered me. And it's still a temptation. But um, when I'd be watching TV, watching some sport on TV, my wife could be talking to me and I would be saying, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, yep, yep. And then she'd be doing something. I'd be like, what would you do that for? And you said, "Uh uh-huh, yep, yep. And I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't hear what you said, but you said yes. And, um, And so I'm listening to her, but not listening to her. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you ladies know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yep, 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 sure, sure, sure. So then I had to tell my wife, I had to tell my wife, please, especially if there's something important you need to share with me, make sure I'm not looking at that silly box and you have my full attention. Make sure of that. And I guess God must feel like that at times when we haven't given Him our undivided attention. And you know what, when you're tired, when you're tired, sometimes it's best just to say a few words. You don't need to go through your five, ten minute prayer or whatever you do. You can just simply say, Lord, I'm exhausted. Thank you for your love. I surrender my life into your hands. You know my needs. You know what I needed to pray if I wasn't so tired. Over to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's all you need to say. God's not going to feel offended because you didn't go through your routine. What Jesus here is saying is that we need to pray to Him. We need to pray to our Heavenly Father and communicate with Him in an honest way as we would to those who are nearest and dearest to us. My wife, often she'll say to me, Look, I'm tired. I don't want to talk now. Can we talk in the morning? I just want to go to bed. I'm not offended because I know she cares for me and that's fine. God is a God of love. He's a God who knows our needs and He knows our frailties. We keep on reading in verse 8. Therefore do not be like them for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. 
No need for vain repetitions as, as many in some religions practice, saying the same thing over and over again. For God knows, the Father knows the things that you need of before you ask Him. Does He really know? If you take a look at verse 25, a little later on on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Then he says in verse 30, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows. God knows our needs. He knows your needs better than you know your needs. Prayer is not about giving God information as to what our needs are. I'm beginning to pray more and more, Lord, you know my needs. You know all of my needs. I know a lot of my wants, but I'm not all that aware of all my needs. <laughs> There's a difference, you know that, don't you? Between wants and needs. Notice Jesus says, I know your needs, not necessarily your wants. I know you want a 100-inch flat-screen TV. <laughs> I know that you feel that you need another holiday or you need this, or you need a new car, or you need a new house, or whatever, whatever. But I know what you need, not what you want. Thank Him for His promises. Prayer is not about giving God information that He doesn't have, or seeking to persuade God for Him to do that which is in your best eternal interest. Sometimes we think that by praying a certain way, we're going to persuade God, we're going to convince God that this is what's best for me. Instead of seeking to persuade God, wouldn't it be a better idea if I focused on aligning myself with what God's will is for my life? What my needs are rather than what, what He thinks my needs are rather than what I think my needs are. Yes, when we come to pray, we come with that all-important preparation of preparing our hearts and our lives in humility, coming before the all-omnipotent God of heaven who cares and who loves us. So this is the context. And now Jesus begins the prayer. Often we jump to the prayer without, without realizing this context. So now that we know who we're dealing with, now that we know how much God loves us, we can begin. Jesus says, in this manner, therefore pray. Not necessarily using these exact words, but in this manner, in this way, according to these heavenly principles. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Once again, we begin by addressing our heart to our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father. Who God is. His character. Who He is. It makes a huge difference 
how you pray when you know who you are praying to. Amen? A huge difference. It's no different in life. I've got no fear going to my friend Drago or my friend Leith, except for medical issues. No, <laughs> especially in medical issues. I've got no fear in going towards those two gentlemen because I know they care for me. I know they genuinely love me. I know that whatever they will share with me will be out of a heart of care because they care for me and they want only what's best for me. So when I approach them, no matter what it is, I go in full confidence and assurance knowing that I'm going to individuals who I can trust. When we come before God, we come to one who says, I am your father. I care for you. You can trust me. I love you. We are his children. God's name is holy. Hallowed be your name. There is more to a name than just a name. When parents give names to their children, they do it because they like that name. I guess these days they like the meaning of that name as well. But when a Hebrew would give names to their children, they would give a name to their child based on the characteristics they wanted to see in that child. So Joshua, think about Joshua's parents. They named him Joshua because they had aspirations that Joshua, whose name is Yeshua or Jesus, would be one who God would use to be a savior, to be a deliverer. And so what does God's name mean? When Moses asked to see the glory of God, the Bible says Moses described the name of the Lord. Notice these words. Now the Lord descended in the cloud, found in Exodus 34 verses 5 to 7. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the what? The name of the Lord. So here is the name of our Father. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So what do we have here? Here we have the character of God. So when we come... Jesus says at the very outset, at the very outset when you pray, acknowledge the character of God, acknowledge His love, acknowledge His mercy, acknowledge His graciousness, acknowledge His long-suffering, His goodness, acknowledge His forgiveness, acknowledge that He will not allow sin to continue forever and ever and ever, that justice will come. Acknowledge God's character. This is what Jesus said, how we are to begin. It reminds me of that Acts prayer. Some of you are familiar with the Acts prayer. A standing, it's an acronym, standing for adoration. C is what? Confession. T is thanksgiving. And S is supplication. The Acts prayer begins with adoration, giving praise and honor to God for who He is. And that's what Jesus says, when you come, pray in this way, 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Holy is your character. You are a God of love and mercy and grace. We continue. Verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus here is focusing our attention not only on the character of the Father, but of His ultimate purpose. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is inviting us to seek those things concerning His kingdom. The things that will usher in His kingdom sooner rather than later. Jamie reminded us this morning of, of, the, of the horrendous things that are taking place in our world. And we only see a few things on TV. We are looking forward to the kingdom of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying for God's plans to be done in my life. The plans that God has for me in the heavenly courts above, may I be willing for Him to download those plans into my life that I may do His work here in the here and now. So the first part of this prayer is Jesus focusing our attention on the things of eternity, on the things of God, on His character, on the things of seeking first His kingdom. Now we transition into the things that relate to us. The things that, that relate to my physical as well as my spiritual well-being. Have a look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Here Jesus is telling us he's very well aware of our needs. And we've already talked about that. He's aware of our needs. He's aware of our physical daily bread. He knows what we need. Give us this day. Notice, it's not for tomorrow. Not for next week or the week after. But today, dear Lord, you know what my needs are today. I'm trusting you as my loving Heavenly Father, as my loving parent, that you will supply my needs today. Think about a little child. Does a little child wonder, I'm talking about a one or two year old, does a little child wonder what they're going to eat tomorrow or next week? Do they wonder? What are they seeking for and what are they simply asking for? To be fed when? Now, in the here and now. They are believing that tomorrow they can ask the same question and their mother or their father will supply for them for that day. Jesus says, for this day, our daily bread. But could it be more than just our daily bread? Could it be more than just our daily bread? Could Jesus here be also speaking of the bread of life. What did Jesus say? Man does not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Could it be that Jesus is saying we need, to, we need to partake of the bread of life each and every day? We need His Word. And we need His Word even more than we need our daily bread. Jesus knows that we have needs. He knew that the people around Him had needs. I mean, the, most of the people that came to listen to Jesus, they were poor farmers or they were, they were part of the, the poorer classes. 
They had issues to deal with. They had the Romans who were taxing them heavily. They had to deal with droughts and with famines and all sorts of insecurity and instability in, in first century Palestine. They knew what tough times were like. You may be experiencing tough times, health-wise, financially, relationally. Whatever the case may be, Jesus says, I know your needs. I will meet your needs. I will take care of your needs. Notice what one of our greatest needs is. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This week, as I was studying this, I came across something that I hadn't seen before and I didn't know. These words, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, are absolutely potent and powerful. This is what I discovered, and it is absolutely, I wouldn't say transformed, but it has really helped me to understand what forgiveness is. These words in the original literally mean, and I want to get this right, these words literally mean, send us away without debt. Send us away without debt. In other words, send us away without debt in peace. And isn't that what forgiveness is all about? When, when that guilt and that sin and, and everything, I say, when that has been stripped off you, when you have been set free, you have been set free, sent away without that burden of debt, and you are now free. Free to enjoy peace. Do you remember Jesus? Time after time after time, after he would heal someone, he would say to them, you are now healed. Go in what? Go and send them all. Go in peace. Go in peace. When Jesus healed people physically and spiritually, he said to them, go in peace. But not only do we go in peace when Jesus has set us free from our debts or from our sins, as Luke puts it, but as we forgive our debtors. So not only, not only do I need to be set free, but Jesus says, those who have been set free, those who have been released to live a life of peace, because they've been set free, now they have a responsibility to set others free. So if, I, if you have sinned against me, I need to set you free. I need to send you away and say, I forgive you. You are free. Go in peace. What a difference, what a difference that would make to our lives, to our relationships to our marriages, to, to our families, to our churches. What a difference that would make. Could it be, could it be, and I'm asking you, I'm asking me the question, could it be that we are not willing or we are very reluctant to set others free that they may go into peace because we first and foremost haven't been set free? Could it be we haven't truly been set free? Well, can I ask the question another way? 
Is it possible, is it possible for someone who has been set free not to go and set others free? Someone who has been set free by Jesus for them to go and not set others free. Has that person really been set free? No. You cannot experience the freedom that comes from being set free by Christ and not extend that to others. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here, Jesus is not speaking about God leading us into temptation because God doesn't lead anyone into temptation. But here we are, here we are dealing with temptations and trials. The Apostle Peter, he talks about these trials and he says... Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. It's the same word. The same word that Jesus uses here in the Lord's Prayer. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange that you go through trials. It's part and parcel of the journey part and parcel of the journey but what Jesus is saying is that he will see you through he will see you through deliver us from the evil one Jesus said in John 17:15 I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one keep them from the evil one who's the evil one could it be that it's he whose name is evil with a capital D, he's the evil one. He is the evil one. Oh, the good news is that through Christ, the enemy will not be able to tempt us beyond through what Christ can give us a victory over. Notice these words, beautiful words. 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is what? Faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't that powerful? That's what Jesus is saying when he says, pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Claim the promise that no matter what trial comes your way, Jesus will not allow you to be tempted and tested and tried beyond what you through Christ can manage. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. So you don't have to worry about experiencing a difficulty, a trial that is beyond what you can handle. There are some people, and I myself have said, I don't think if, 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 I've, if I've got to go through this again, I don't think I'm going to make it. You don't need to say that. Because you will make it. If God allows that temptation into your life, He will ensure that you make it through His strength. Amen? I'm going to invite my friend Liz to come up to the front now. And um, I'm going to invite her to share a little bit of her journey and what she's been through. We've, we've, looked, at, we've looked at the Lord's Prayer. And we're about to finish off. But um, each week... While I'm here, we're going we're, we're to look at how God has used and is using 
individuals through prayer in a powerful way. And so, Liz. Hello, Pastor Daddy. It's good to have you here, Liz. Thank you, and thank you for welcoming me. You were also warm and friendly. <laughs> I know it's not your first time here. You've been here once Yes, once twice. before. Yes. And um, we're going to hear from Liz's daughter, Leah, um, the next time I'm here, God willing. But um, Liz, you called me up, I don't know, about nine months ago or so, eight, nine months ago, sometime at the beginning of last year, and you said, Pastor Danny, my daughter and I, we want to get baptised. Do you remember that conversation? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> do you want to tell us what, what led to that conversation and why you picked up the phone? Because you weren't that way inclined maybe a couple of years before that or even less. Um, yeah, my daughter was in um, hospital, and I'm not going to say a lot about her story, but she was in hospital in John Hunter, and I was walking down the aisle one day right near the oncology ward for children. I had my head down. I was just sort of praying, saying, Lord, no temptation. It was a temptation. I was going through a terrible trial. My daughter was fighting for her life. Um, and then I literally ran into a friend of yours, Rui, and he gave me your phone number and I was, I, he just so happened to be there that day and I, I got your um, phone number off Rui and, I, and then when I rang you she was actually in the Sydney Adventist Hospital mm. because she'd gone from one hospital to another and I won't go back to the whole story where it started because she'll share that with you but when I got to the SAN um, I was absolutely desperate. We were. <coughs> The doctors didn't know what was wrong with Leah. She was very ill. And then I had your number, and I remember going into the little chapel there, yeah. and you prayed with me. And it was just the most wonderful experience that I was on my journey home, because I have prayed, and I've had many miracles happen in my life through prayer. And I've wandered away from God, but I tell you what, you cannot have a relationship with the Lord unless you pray. His presence is with you when you pray. And I remember nearly 12 months ago in Costa Rica when I was over there with my daughter. I was bringing her home, actually. She nearly died in Costa Rica. I remember being there, and my journey for prayer started there, actually. Um, what happened was she was in intensive care, and... You could only go and see her for five minutes every four hours. So those four hours became my prayer time. Because I couldn't speak the language over there. So it was really me and God. And I'd go back to the hotel room and I'd just pour out my heart and soul to him, pleading to save my daughter. And it was funny because when I went over there, I packed my bags to go there. And I was impressed by the Lord. There are three books I want you to take. I want you to take your Bible, which I hadn't read for a long time. I want you to take the Ministry of Healing. Okay. I want you to take the Great Controversy. And I went there and I read all I could on prayer. And for the last year, all I've done is pray. And I praise God for prayer. And I praise God that he's taught us to pray. I praise God that he wants us to pray. He's desperately asking us to pray to him because that's our communication with him. And it's not just on your knees you can pray. You can pray to God when you're driving. But I don't suggest you close your eyes because I was in Bali once and the taxi driver, it was his prayer time. 
And he just closed his eyes while we were nearly off going off a mountain. <laughs> um, so we can pray to God wherever we are. There are so many stories in the Bible of people. I think of Queen Esther who prayed in a desperate situation. Stories are from beginning right to the end. And if we could just grasp what prayer really means, it saves souls because Christ prayed for his disciples. Now, Liz, tell me, um, there's so much to the story and, and we're all looking forward to You don't want to be not here when, when her daughter Leah will be sharing her story the next time we're together. Um, but the, you had a big challenge, and I know this is a big challenge because we continue to wrestle with the Lord about this. As any mother, you want your daughter to be made well. And um, as you pointed out, she was on death's door and, and the Lord intervened and saved her 12 months ago. But um, over the last few months, she's been really up and down, hasn't she? Been really up and down. And do you remember, do you remember us praying and you sharing with me that you were willing to surrender even your daughter that you love so much into the Lord's hands? What was it like to pray that prayer from a mother? Um, it was really hard. It was extremely hard. And it took me back to the story of Abraham when he had to sacrifice Isaac. He did not know that Isaac was going to be spared. And I literally had come to that point in my life where even my precious daughter had to be put on the altar. Because you can even put your children in front of God at times and that is not what he's trying to teach us in our journey. He wants everything. He wants our heart, our soul, our children, our pets, whatever it might be. And they're not an obstruction, only if you put them before God, because he wants you there and he wants them in your life as well. But if, if, if there's any way that they're going to hold you back, and I had to surrender my daughter and put her on the altar, and that was probably the hardest thing. But you know, once I did that, the peace that passeth all understanding surrounded me with such comfort and I, I, I got to the point where if it was Lord's if it, I don't believe it's God's will that we die but we all will die so uh, if it was that point that she was to be taken I just had to let her go and trust in God and knowing that she would be in the resurrection that was, that was the point, the turning point. Amen. And finally, can you live without prayer now? Absolutely not. But I just wanted to share one thing, and this is, this is about prayer. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up, and it's only because I've been impressed to say this, you were talking about our Heavenly Father and how much He loves us and how He's wooing us and His Spirit is just just there. Well, I wasn't brought up a Christian. I was brought up in a family. My father was actually an atheist. He was brought up a Catholic and he said, I don't believe in God because how could all these horrible things in this world happen? And, but my father was still loving. He always did show me love. And I remember not long before my father passed away, I'd been praying for him and it was in July, he was turning 75. He was dying of prostate cancer seven years ago. And 
he said to me, uh, he called me into the bedroom and he was very critically ill and he said, uh, I'm going to die, aren't I? And I said, I was a nurse, I said, yes, you are. I wasn't going to pretend he wasn't, he was. He was, on his, he was on his last legs. And I kept praying. And then the following week he called me into his room, he said, Liz, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to die. He said, I, I really want to know what you know and where I'm going. And I said, I'd like you to read a little book with me, Dad. And we read Steps to Christ. And, I, and I, he was so ill. I mean, he'd lost so much weight. He literally got out of bed with me and he knelt. That was on the 7th of the 7th of the 7th, and it was a Sabbath. And my father gave his heart to Jesus. Amen. My father will be in heaven. Our heavenly father saved my father. And I just wanted to share that. I was just impressed. I know that was not what we talked oh, about. However, uh, our Father loves us so much, our Heavenly Father, our Earthly Father. And I, even though my Father brought me up and I wasn't brought up a Christian, I always remember the Spirit is given a portion to each person. Absolutely. And the Spirit was given to my Father Amen. to help me in my journey in life. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you so much. Please. Thank you so much. And that's how we conclude the prayer of Jesus. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The prayer of Christ begins with our loving Heavenly Father, His will in our lives seeking his kingdom and we are assured that his kingdom will come and he will be glorified and there will be no more sadness or sorrow or pain and we give him all honor and praise because of that lord teach us to pray lord teach me to pray I pray that you have received one or two more insights as to how you can communicate with your Heavenly Father in this coming year. May God bless you. May God bless us all as we continue to pray and seek our Lord. Amen. questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 4973 3456 Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, dot O-R-G dot A-U. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc, PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support.
It's time for Balanced Living with Vicki Griffin. Health in a hurry. What's for lunch today or dinner tonight? Pizza and pop? Burger and shake? Fried chicken in a box? Sticky bun on the run? No time to think about it. I'm hungry and in a hurry. Fast, frenzied, and failing, that's how too many of us are tanking up. But we're only fueling fatigue, obesity, depression, and disease. Something's got to give. Don't let it be your good health. Is it possible to enjoy bountiful meals and better health in spite of our crazy, busy schedules? The answer is yes. Here are some tips for a quick cuisine that can jumpstart your journey to better health in a hurry. Fast does not have to be bad. F-A-S-T is good when it spells fresh, affordable, satisfying, and tasty. And that spells better health, more energy, less sickness. Isn't that the kind of quick we all need? Breakfast Bonanza. For fill-up value and good nutrition, start your day off right with a brain-boosting, high-fiber breakfast. It can be as easy as a peanut butter and applesauce sandwich on whole grain bread or whole grain cereal topped with fresh fruit, soy milk, and walnuts. Build a better breakfast in just three easy steps. Include fresh fruit, whole grains, and nuts every morning. Super Sandwiches Focus on whole grains, healthy fats, garden vegetables, and beans. Start a great sandwich with whole grain bread, bagels, or pita bread. Great sandwich fillings include garden patties, garbanzo hummus or other bean spread. Try some baked tofu slices or veggie slices. You can top it with avocado, sprouts, tomato, raw spinach and cucumber slices, or even some soy cream cheese spreads. There are many ways to take your totables with you. Carry a water bottle with you. Use a thermos for hot vegetable soup. Keep containers with tight-fitting lids on hand to fill your insulated lunchbox with your favorite leftovers. Be supper savvy. Prepare enough at one meal to last for the next meal or freeze for later. Plan meals around an easy vegetable soup, brown rice, potato, whole grain pasta, or bean recipes. Keep instant brown rice on hand as well as frozen mixed vegetables and stir-fry vegetables for a quick, tasty meal. Three cheers for salad. Raw, raw, raw. That's right. Start your lunch and supper with fresh, raw salads or vegetables. Use mixed greens and raw spinach to ramp up nutrition. Use brain-healthy fats on your salads, such as olive oil and avocado. And use a little fresh lemon to increase iron absorption. Keep your dressing separate when toting salad for a meal. And add garbanzo or kidney beans for a complete, high-fiber meal. Buy prepared and packaged shredded cabbage, broccoli slaw, and shredded carrots to increase nutrition and reduce prep time. Don't forget to utilize those kitchen companions. 
That may include a food processor, slow cooker, or rice cooker. These are wonderful kitchen aids for making memory meals that are healthy. Other handy helpers include a supply of quick foods for meals in a hurry. That might include canned beans or quick brown rice, whole grain pastas with marinara sauce, instant and canned vegetarian vegetable or bean soups, fresh and dried fruit, especially portable fruits like apples, oranges, cherries, berries, and bananas, and frozen and fresh vegetables, pre-cut carrots and celery, veggie slices and cherry tomatoes, pre-washed lettuce and spinach. Have some dry roasted nuts, popcorn, and soy yogurt on hand, along with whole grain crackers for your healthy cupboard of quick foods. And you can eat out with success. Tame your tummy. For better appetite control, eat high-fiber meals on a regular schedule and choose restaurants that have fresh vegetable and other high-fiber options. When eating out, be on the lookout for whole-grain bread. Add lots of raw veggies. In restaurants, you can choose baked rather than fried potatoes. You can see what fresh fruits and vegetables are in the kitchen. Water with lemon can replace calorie-rich drinks. Go for garden goodies. Order a vegetable plate or bean soups, mixed green spinach salads, or whole grain breads. Ethnic restaurants have wonderful healthy choices. You can choose Greek, Lebanese, Chinese, Indian, Mexican, and Italian restaurants that all have great vegetarian options. Care for yourself as well as for your family and your pets. Eat on time and nourish your body with foods that give you strength. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. A temple is a sacred place. Lifestyle choices affect the function and health of your brain, where you make important life decisions. Good nutrition, exercise, and rest will help you enjoy vibrant health, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. You've been listening to Balanced Living, presented by Vicki Griffin. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.